We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message. Going to conclude today this uh, little series that I have been going through on the life and ministry of the prophet Elisha. And again, I, I chose this because I feel like it is a neglected portion of Scripture. It is either too offensive, too weird, uh, too incomprehensible for us, and we get confused about it and just pass over it. Quickly to review, and I'm sorry if you, if you weren't here to hear any particular sermon, the review may not be all that useful, but for, for those who were here, I started with that whole thing about the bears mauling the boys of Bethel and tried to understand it correctly and to come down to the lesson that was being taught. The power comes not from the man of God, but from the God of the man. And then we moved to the recovery of the iron axe head from the waters of the Jordan tried to understand that in its context too and to get this lesson man of God must be in contact with the lost if the lost are to become found and then that time when Elisha arranged for water to fill the trenches in the desert and gave the prophecy for the sake of the conflict that the kings, but particularly that King Jehoshaphat was involved in. And to learn the the lesson from that, when the shepherd walks with God, the flock will be safe. And the widow's oil that poured forth from that single vessel and filled all the many vessels that they had gathered together to solve her deep financial crisis. And this lesson, God does not leave his own without help. But he may ask you a few questions of which you should be mindful. And there's much, much more for, for such a compact little portion of a single book of the Bible, much more in the ministry of Elisha, the healing of Naaman the Syrian when he was asked to dunk seven times in the Jordan River to cleanse himself of leprosy, the purifying of the poison stew, the, the promise of abundance of food in the midst of a starvation siege of the city of Samaria and the four lepers who found that food and what they did. The Shunammite widow whose little dab of groceries lasted and lasted and lasted for as long as the man of God was with her. And still more episodes from the life and ministry of Elisha. But I need to draw this series to a close so we can begin to concentrate on our approach to the celebration of the resurrection in just a few weeks from now. So I come to this one that Jim read to you. Elisha foils the king of Aram. 
Now, one thing I need to address as I start out, prophecy can be long-term or short-term. Both things are common in the Bible. The prophet Isaiah foretold events that would not come to pass for over a century from the time of his telling. The prophet Jeremiah foretold those same events when they were only months from fruition. The prophet Elisha has concentrated throughout his ministry on what you would call short-term prophecies, the consequences of this war, the consequences of this action that you are about to take, what's going to happen later this day because of what you do earlier this day, that kind of thing. And in this account to the king of Israel, do not go down to this place because the king of Aram has his troops stationed there and they would love nothing better than to assassinate you and bring a quick end to this war in which the two kingdoms are engaged. So just don't go down there. Or if you're going to travel that way this week, go with an escort, a strong guard to protect yourself. And it says that in this way the king of Israel was preserved from the plots of the king of Aram, not just once or twice, but on several occasions. And the king of Aram became so upset about this, he called his counselors and advisors together and he said, all right, who's the dirty dog traitorous spy? Which of you? is on the payroll of the king of Israel because I can't think of any other way that he would come to know my plans so completely and evade them so thoroughly. And one answers, not us, boss. It's that Elisha and his big mouth God who just tells him everything. Tells him everything you're planning to do. I bet that Elisha's God tells Elisha the words that you whisper in your bedchamber at night and nothing is unknown to that prophet. And he tells the king of Israel, and thus your plans are foiled. And the king of Aram became pretty interested in this. After all, a guy who can tell you all your enemies' counsel might be useful. So let's find out where this Elisha is living and let's not kill him. Let's take him. Let's capture him. Let's bring him back because we could probably make good use of such an individual. Now there is a grand assumption that lies behind this account. It's a thing that we take for granted, but we should not. The assumption is that there is a generally unseen face of reality. There is the physical side which we see. I can see this stand. I can touch this pulpit. I can hear that mic every time Jim does anything to it. I can taste this grape juice. I can feel this floor under my feet. The physical world around me. But I believe also there is a spiritual world around me that is generally unseen. I believe that within me within this physical 
body that is mine. There is a spirit that interacts with my body but is not my body and that will survive the demise of my body and which has access to this other side of reality which is generally unseen to me. And that from this unseen reality, information, help, blessing, strength can flow to us in the physical world, to and through a guy like Elisha. The debate about this concept rages especially hot in our times. The current framing of it is monism versus dualism. Monism is the materialistic, scientific, rational understanding. Nature only has one face. There is only one nature, and it's all made of stuff. There is only stuff. It's all electrons and neutrons and velocity and temperature. And everything is just the physical side. There is no other side. And everything can be explained in terms of the physical side. We believe in dualism. No, there is the physical and there is the spiritual. And some things can't be explained without the spiritual. If you'd like to get into that deeper and have the big philosophical and scientific discussion of monism and dualism, come and see me because I never get tired of talking about these things. But understand that that is the way that the debate is framed today and we need to quit taking for granted this assumption. Here, the spiritual side of nature is able to interact with and to send help to the physical side. And if information can be passed from one side to the other, what else might happen? That's a good question. And here in this story at least is something of an answer. The king of Iran sends a large force, well-armed horses and chariots to surround the place where Elisha lives to capture him and to bring him back. And one of the sons of the prophets who attends Elisha walks out in the early morning and sees the Aramean army surrounding their place and thinks to himself, holy smokes, we are in deep trouble because this is an army of professional soldiers with horses and chariots and we got squat here to resist them. And he runs back in and he says to Elisha, we are surrounded by the Arameans. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, don't fear. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And I think at this point, the, the son of the prophets to whom Elisha is talking is thinking, I don't know what you're saying. There's just us. I just see us and them. And the us that I see is not up to the them that is gathering all around us. We're going to be slaughtered. And Elisha prays. And if prophecy is the passage of information from that side of reality to this side of reality, prayer is the plea of our heart reaching from this side to that. And Elisha prays, let this man see. And God hears that prayer. Now let me ask you right here, how many of you believe that God always hears our prayers? Amen. God hears this prayer from Elisha and he opens the eyes of this other son of the prophets and he sees, yes, there are Aramean horses and chariots surrounding us, but the entire mountain behind them is filled with heavenly forces, horses and chariots of fire, angels all about us, those who are... With us are more, not only numerically, but more in every way than those who are with them. Now we'll pause here for just a moment to ask whether you take all of this literally or symbolically. Uh, do, do angels really ride horses and sling around in chariots? Or is that just the best way that this man had to process the information that he was seeing? And my basic answer is, don't know, don't care. It does not change the point. There is more around us than we see. And the privilege that was granted this man to see it for the moment, to see it in this moment does not change the fact that it was already there before he saw is always there and it's still always there this is universal in scripture, it is the substance of a lot of verses that we don't necessarily relate, but which we ought to. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 1.20, since the creation, the invisible attributes of God have been made clear by those things which we can see. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Ephesians 6.12 Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness, a whole other dimension of the battle, invisible to us in the daily sense of the physical world. Quite evident 
in the spiritual sense. Or this one, Second Corinthians chapter 4, we begin with verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Now, hear dualism in this. For though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. Things happening here are having effects there. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It is right there. And it is all through the words of your Bible. A couple of considerations to help me draw this to a close. On this occasion in 2 Kings chapter 6, the whole episode ends with what is obviously a victory for the man of God and his associates. Uh, Jim did not read this part, but what happens is that the Arameans are struck blind, unable to see, and thus unable to fight, and they are led blind and meek into the city of Samaria, into the mercy or not of the king of Israel whose death they wanted and that was the whole besetting incident and the the king of Israel says to Elisha tell me shall I kill them and I think that I should probably read that as can I kill them do I get to kill them and Elisha says how about this you feed them and send them home so they can tell their boss all about this episode. And that really was a better idea. But it ends with this big, obvious victory for the man of God and his associates. But how about Acts chapter 12, where another evil king named Herod has the Apostle James put to death with the sword. And James dies. Were the angelic forces late? Were they busy elsewhere? Were they there, but James is somehow not worthy of their assistance in some way that Elisha was? What goes on here? Back up a few chapters. Acts chapter 7. Death of the deacon and evangelist Stephen. Stoned to death by the opponents of the gospel. And I throw in that Gary Wellendorf is fond of saying this is the one time that he has been able to correct me on a matter of scripture. It is. The, I, I think I said once that, that Stephen used the word seated, but he uses the word standing. So I'm going to get it right this time. 
standing, standing. As the stones fall, Stephen sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he prays for forgiveness for those who are murdering him. And then he prays, receive my spirit. Again, dualism. My body is just about done here. Receive my spirit. And for just a moment, his physical here and now eyes got to see the other side just before he was taken to it. And this too is a victory. Paul says, Whichever way it ends is a victory for the man of God or the woman of God. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. The forces of heaven are always assembled. And on one occasion, they may preserve you from harm. And on another they may take you home to the presence of your Lord Jesus Christ and either thing will be victory for you. Final consideration. If there is a lesson that is to be learned from this last incident I will mention from the life and ministry of Elisha, it is this. There is more around us than you see, and you are never alone. God is with you right now. And he is not with you only because you are gathered in this, we might say, sacred space. The truth is that when you leave here, he will still be with you. And if you go to the restaurant or back to your house, he will still be with you. And when you lay your head down to sleep tonight, God will still be with you. And when you raise your head from the pillow in the morning, God will still be with you. And whatever trouble you have to face in the day and the week to come, God will be right there beside you to face it. And if in the way of this world you perish, and you will, I don't know when, but I will, you will, we all will, And when that moment comes, especially then, God will be with us. And those who are with us are more in every conceivable way than those who are arrayed against us. In this, find peace. And it may be that some of you have been feeling overwhelmed, and I know you have reasons. Dorothy, I watched your painful journey across the street just getting the mail the other week. Jack, 
I know how bad it is with your daughter right now. And I know how this involves you and how it weighs on you. And Betty, I get how low and how hurt Paul is. Some of you may be involved in I don't know what kinds of struggles. Workplace. Marriage. Legal. Maybe you are feeling overwhelmed. But I know this. Those who are with you are more than whatever and whoever is arrayed against you. And for we who perceive the other side of reality and trust in Jesus Christ, there is only victory. If you've been overwhelmed, you need to come and be prayed for and renew your peace before Him. We give you this opportunity as the invitation is extended. We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, dot com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.